Welcome to the Sons of Fire podcast. Stories are missing from today's culture. Stories of truth, faith, and hope, and love from both in and outside of the family unit. And this has led to a cultural identity crisis. I want you to know what it's like to believe that God is good. I want you to know how to support your family in the best way possible. I believe that this is through hosting the presence of God in your midst. If you don't know how to do that, we'd like to help. So be sure to listen in. We believe that you can experience the heart of your Heavenly Father. So, uh, hey, welcome to Sons of Fire. And I've got an extremely special guest today, uh, Simon Bake. And uh, he's been in 52 countries across the world and preaching the gospel. Saw lots of miracles. And in fact, we were praying for somebody just a moment ago and, the, and uh, they received their healing. We were rejoiced in that. But I've asked Simon if he would begin by simply sharing the gospel and, and a great way to do that. So Simon, I'm just going to turn it over to you and take it away. Thank you, Rick. It's an honor to be here. And uh, I learned some new ways of uh, sharing the gospel when I was just recently on a missions trip to Colombia with Paul Rapley Ministries. We were a team of 21 people and everyone on the team was preaching and teaching. There was no one who was just part of the prayer team. Everyone on the team, including the translators, when they were not translating, were also preaching and teaching. And uh, we were there for 10 days in the north part of Colombia. And over those 10 days, we took one and a half days to do some training, some of which I'm going to explain to you in a few minutes. And the other, let's say, eight days, we were doing ministry. And uh, through a wonderful pastor there on the ground, he organized us to minister in 83 churches total over those eight days. So you can imagine with a team of 21 people, we were splitting up into groups of one or two and heading out to a range of different churches around the area in North Columbia there. And uh, Paul Rapley has worked out a really great strategy together with the Lord to be effective in releasing revival and awakening to the churches. And uh, it consists of three parts. It consists of activating the churches, the people in healing. That is getting the people in the churches to pray for healing, to use authority in Jesus' name, through their identity, who they are, and to see healing. And then leading into evangelism, practical evangelism. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a moment. Um, very simple stuff that you may well have heard before, but so well integrated together that we ended up seeing over the eight days of ministry, 5,913 healings, I believe it was, for example. And we saw among the 83 churches, we saw in total 29 metal miracles, titanium surgically implanted in the body, uh, screws, pins, plates, and such like, disappearing from the body so, with prayer. So the metal... It was surgically implanted. Yeah. And make sure we can get this. Yes. Surgically implanted metals. Yes. Solved? We don't know how it happens, but 
when you can feel the screw head or the metal plate in your body, and then, for example, when it uh, gets hot uh -huh. and then it disappears, uh, then, you know, without the x-ray evidence, we can tell from pushing on it to feeling it that the screws no longer can be found, the plate can no longer be found, the pain is gone, and the movement is now back to normal, unrestricted, like it was before yeah. they had an accident. Yeah? So uh, of different testimonies I've heard, Rick, in the past, some people go to the expense of having an x-ray done, and they find many times that the metal has completely disappeared. In some cases, they find the metal is still there, but it bends as if it isn't there. It's like malleable. No. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know which is the greater miracle, the metal disappearing and being replaced with bone and receiving the full flexibility back, or the metal still being there, but it's flexible as if it wasn't there. I'm not sure which is the greater miracle. That's it seems amazing. to me that when the metal's still there, and yet their movement is restored, the pain's gone, that every time they move, it's a miracle, you know? So, <laughs> you know, but in these cases, it appeared, um, from what we could tell, that the metal had disappeared. And we don't understand it, but how many of us understand miracles? Yeah. That's really the definition of a miracle, right? You know, actually, I, I have seen metal dissolve before. I, yeah. I'm just trying to like, like pull on as much. I know that I you can. have. I know that you have, but maybe yeah. some of our listeners haven't. No, that and that's true. And and there was one particular miracle that you shared that was extraordinary. And uh, maybe you could share that again. Yes, in one of the churches, uh, there was a guy. He had an accident, and he had, I believe, it was twenty-four, I believe, titanium screws in his right arm between his elbow and his wrist in that area, um, and and he had also a metal titanium plate in his face, I understand, somewhere around his cheek area. And he could feel the 24 screws in his arm. And he could feel the metal plate in his face. Must have been a serious accident. And uh, we noticed he was, well, some of my team members, our team members, we noticed he was feeling his arm and trying to find the screws, couldn't find them, and feeling his face with his hand trying to find the metal plate and couldn't find it. And you imagine he was like, uh, I, I imagine he was confused and, and shocked that he couldn't find it. And he came up and gave the testimony that he's been healed. The metals disappeared. This sounds completely crazy, guys, if you're listening, right? Yeah. But I was a, an engineer in the car industry, uh, 11 years for Audi, before that, uh, indirectly for Mercedes-Benz, before that working on Porsche cars making them faster for the rich and famous who consider the Porsche to be too slow. Maybe you call them a Porsche. We call them Porsche. But I worked for 11 years directly for Audi in the design engineering and development of their exclusive and high-end uh, vehicles. But I gave that all away because once you see that miracles are possible, you just want to go after it because everything else becomes rather boring when you start to see the impossible become possible through Jesus. Yeah. Wow. And uh, wow. so those are like some of the testimonies we had, I believe, total of 29 metal miracles, as I said, we call them metal miracles. And there was a total of 26 tumors or growths or cancers that appeared to disappear. They're just gone. Uh, one guy had, I think it's called lymph pneuma, 
in his arm and uh, he couldn't find those points anymore in his arm. Uh, other women with lumps on their chest, they disappeared. Another woman with uh, lumps or uh, growths and the tumors in the lower area of her body there um, disappeared, couldn't find it anymore. And there was a total of 26 of those over the eight days of ministry. Oh, Jesus, thank you. We had um, several blind eyes opening that they can now see, not just people with bad eyesight, but people with a blind eye that opens so they can now see. Wow. Um, I have the numbers here somewhere. If I remember correctly, it was six of those. Wow. And if I remember correctly, it was around 11 deaf ears, something like that. I'd have to look up the real numbers, but something like that. Deaf ears that, that opened. Not people that were hard of hearing, people that had deaf a deaf ear could then miraculously hear. Um, and there were many others who were hard of hearing or couldn't see well and their eyesight improved or their hearing improved. And so that was the healing side. Oh my goodness. All right. Oh my goodness. And you know, I'm, 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 I know where you're going, but, but I, but just about 15 minutes ago, I, I never told you this, but the lady we just prayed for yeah. with the, the lump went down. Yes. And the pain went down. She had a yes. pain eight and she said it went down to five and then yeah. it, it went down some more. And, yeah. and I'm just convinced that the, the time she gets to her house, it would even be less. Let it be Jesus. Let and, it be so. But, yeah. but I, and I never told you this, but she's, a, she claims to be a Buddhist. It's like, so there, the, right. Jesus, mm. Jesus doesn't care. He just <laughs> heals people. <laughs> you know, the pain was going away. The lump was going down and Jesus is like touching the Buddhist or the Muslim or the atheist, right. the non-believer. It's like, because he loves on them, right? Oh my goodness. And the healing manifestation is a, an example of his love for them. Oh, so in a sense, he doesn't care, but in the other sense, he does care. Sure. Because sure. he loves them, right? He loves them. But yeah. he doesn't care what religion they have, in a sense. Yeah. He wants to love on them and bring them into a true relationship with him. Because he, you know, he you know and yeah. th 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 there's no way around it. He, he loves people so much that, that he just jumps right over whatever it is. He just is just like, like he... He launches himself into this love affair with people. It's extraordinary. Well, right. I, I want right. to make sure we, we, I know where you're going next. And so I want to make sure we have plenty of time for that. So just keep going. So we taught on healing activation, but I've been asked to teach a simple summary of the evangelism activation, right? So we would teach the, the healing and then we'd roll into teaching the evangelism activation, part of which is actually healing. We got, we taught, the first module on healing and then we got many of the churches to go door to door we gave them half an hour an hour to go door to door knock on people's door and practice the healing module that we just taught them ask people if they're sick uh lay hands on them command with their permission command the sickness to leave in jesus name and that was the first part of the evangelism really is often in this example seeing them healed so when you just prayed for this lady, yeah. you, you, you did, you know, we call it praying, but literally I, I listened to you command the tumor to go, yeah. command that thing to reduce. Yeah. And it wasn't a tumor, but a, but a lump. You commanded it to go, it began to receive yeah. and you commanded the pain. You spoke yeah. to it. Yeah, that's right. In the authority that we as followers of Jesus Christ have uh, to be the hands and feet and voice of our Lord Jesus here on the earth. You didn't beg. We don't need to. We, we, we have authority, Crick. You know it. 
we have authority, we speak to the condition and the knowledge of what Jesus has done in our lives. He gave us this authority. That's he, he gave it to the disciples, he gave it to the apostles, and we're descendants of these guys. You're acting as an agent of Jesus. That's it. You're, That's it. you're actually taking the authority of Jesus yeah. and applying it yeah. 2,000 years later. Yeah. And a lot of people think the Christian life is boring, right? They think it's all about obeying rules. <laughs> Many of the rules are for our own good, right? But when we're really going for the release of the kingdom of God, the domain of the king, Jesus, yeah, then it's exciting. Yeah, We don't always know what's going to happen next. But when you see these kind of miracles happen or whatever, for example, it's an exciting life, right? Yeah. So it's really not boring at all. So, so you're a New Zealander. Yes. That lived in Germany. Yes. That has traveled to 52 nations. Yes. To preach the gospel. And I, I just want to ask this question. Is it, does the gospel work in, it worked in Colombia from what you, you're sharing. Does it work every place you go? Yes, it works everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. In fact, and many of these churches in Colombia, they'd never seen such miracles. They'd never seen titanium disappearing. They'd never seen tumors disappearing. As a, perhaps your American viewers might think, oh, that's easy. They went to South America. There's miracles here all the time. Well, it's not true. And these churches, many of these churches, they'd never seen these things before. They were just as shocked as some of you might be, you know? So, but moving right along yes. to the evangelism teaching, yeah? Um, if you want to see a, a scriptural basis, look at Mark 16, verses 15 to 20. I'm not going to read it now, but you see in this passage, it's mainly Jesus speaking the red words of Jesus in that passage, mainly. And this passage links healing to evangelism. We see that when uh, Jesus and the disciples and the apostles healed the sick, yeah, that this led oftentimes into them uh, receiving forgiveness and becoming followers of Jesus. Yeah? Oftentimes, of course, before Jesus died and, and rose again, but we can see that there's a connection between healing and becoming a follower of Jesus. Right, in that passage. So, and I want you guys to know, like in the past, I would often just go on the street and share the gospel directly. But I really realized, um, again, in Colombia, that it's really important for me and for everybody and powerful to share their own personal testimony. So what we learned was, was to teach people how to share concisely their own personal testimony in three minutes or less and then the gospel in 45 seconds or less and then bring people to a point of decision are they going to receive the gospel through what we would call repentance yeah we don't use that word because people don't understand uh christianese we call it yeah they don't understand that usually so we have another way of explaining it yeah we bring them to a point of decision and we wait to see what they're going to decide. But first, every testimony, every personal testimony has three parts. It has a before Jesus part. Think of that as being one minute max. It has a part, the second part, when you met Jesus. 
or maybe when you rededicated your life to Jesus, or maybe when you were baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you know what that is, yeah? For those of us who are raised perhaps in a Christian home, uh, the first part is short for Jesus, and then when you met Jesus can be a little bit longer. And then there's a the third part after Jesus. What happened after you met Jesus? How did your lifestyle change? And that can also be, for example, one minute max. And then you string all those three together, you have a three minute testimony. It's really easy. You might think all oh, three minutes is hard. Well, just one minute before Jesus, one minute how you met Jesus, and one minute how your lifestyle changed after you met him. And that's your personal testimony. And you might think, well, it's not as powerful as XYZ, Rick or Simon or somebody else, but you're wrong. Every every testimony is powerful. And and then share the gospel in 45 seconds. And when we do this exercise, it really helps us to work out what are the key points of the gospel? What do we really need to bring across Rick? You know? So in my case, uh, my testimony in three minutes, I grew up in a Christian home, a Baptist church in New Zealand. I gave my life to the Lord when I was six years old. My mother told me Jesus loves you, but I never understood what that means until I was 22 years old. My mother said, you should be baptized in water. I said, I said, you're right. I got baptized. Someone in the church prayed for me that the Holy Spirit would fill me. I didn't know what that was, but I said yes in my heart. Two and a half weeks later, my mother again said, I want you to go to a full gospel men's meeting in a restaurant in my hometown. I said, oh, mum, yeah, okay, I'll go if you want me to go. It'll be good food and a good message, and I go home. But it changed my life. That night, the speaker spoke to the men on my table and said, there's someone here who needs to stand up and come to the front of the meeting and receive prayer. I prayed in my heart, Lord, give this man the courage. Because I know how hard it can be to stand up sometimes in front of a group of people. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, I'm speaking to you, Simon. And I couldn't move. I was frozen in my seat out of fear. Frozen out of, out of fear. Tears were rolling down my face. I was frozen. But I said, I decided with a, after a battle in my heart, I'm going to stand up. But I never sent the energy to my legs. It was supernatural. I found my body standing up and walking to the front of the meeting. I didn't move my legs. I just yielded to the Holy Spirit and my, my body stood up and my legs moved. It felt like my feet were walking halfway off the floor. I turned around, looked into the meeting and I had what I discovered 10 years later is called an open vision. I never heard of such a thing. And I saw a burning light with my eyes and the chest of every man it was a men's meeting. There were believers in the meeting, burning light which I now know to be the Holy Spirit or Jesus and the believers. And the air had a weight, had a body, had a thickness. That I, I don't know how to describe it to you, but imagine if the air was transparent jelly. You could cut it with a knife and it would open up with body, with weight. It was like a radar sense of God's presence everywhere in the room that didn't die off in magnitude with distance away from me. It was powerful, God's presence everywhere. And then the Lord began to show me his love. The love that my mother told me about that I never understood. This love is so tender. Tender. I don't know how to describe it to you. Tender and soft and beautiful. Yeah. I used to think love was just for girls. But I discovered it's for men, for women, for boys and girls. And then he showed me his power. And I can no longer differentiate between his love and his power. 
And he showed me his heart for one lost soul, how he cries over every lost soul. And in that moment, I became an evangelist. And I just wanted to say, Lord, what can I do? What can I do that more be saved and less end up in hell? And, and I was changed. And that was when I received the call of an evangelist. Immediately, people noted in my life the gifting that I had in that area after that. And many years later, I resigned from my job at Audi to, to uh, follow this path full time. So that's my testimony. I don't know if I managed to do it in three minutes, but it's something like that. So in my testimony, I had a before Jesus, which was very short in my case, because I gave my life to the Lord at six and I was raised in a Christian home. And, and then I had a middle part, which was longer in my case. Yeah? And then I had an end part. I became an evangelist. Yeah? And, and I'm, so that's my testimony, starting, middle, and end, the three parts. And I want to encourage you who are listening today to practice your testimony with, with another person. Find a family member or a friend and practice test, uh, speaking your testimony out in three minutes. Why? Because when you speak to somebody, door knocking on the street, at work, at university, at school, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, shopping. We're in an Instagram generation. People have got a short attention span. If you can tell your testimony, the key points, in three minutes or less, then you have a chance of sharing that with them before they have to run off and do something else. And then, once you've shared your personal testimony, and uh, you might think it's not as fantastic as Simon's, You'd be wrong. Every testimony is fantastic. And people want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear uh, some celebrity uh, testimony. They want to hear your story. And no one can argue against your testimony, your story. And then combine it with the gospel. What are the key points of the gospel? What are the essentials of the gospel? And here's just one example. You don't have to use this example. But uh, there's many ways you can describe the gospel. Many ways. But this is just one way. And take aim to take a maximum of 45 seconds again the attention span of people is short often times so here i go god loves you all of us have done things wrong these things separate us from god jesus is god and he's also a person and through his death and resurrection 2000 years ago he took our guilt he took our shame if you choose to make Jesus the master of your life and ask him to help you turn away from your old lifestyle with his help and live a life which is pleasing to him. If you do this, then his forgiveness is valid for you. And that gives us access to the Father. That's the, the short gospel. These are some of the key points. Now, you, you said this earlier to me, yeah. but but you, you just shared the gospel, and now yes. you wait for their answer. Yeah, so you wait for their answer. You present them now with two choices. Choice number one, reject Jesus and pay the price for the wrong things you've done. That's choice number one. Second choice. Not a great choice. Not a great choice. I call it a bad option. Bad option. But it is an option. And uh, the second choice, choose to turn away from what you've done wrong and make Jesus your God and receive forgiveness. 
That's the second choice. So then ask the person, genuinely look them in the face and be genuine about it. What are you going to choose? And then wait for them to respond. If they didn't understand the gospel, you can clarify some things. Yeah, But wait for them to decide and respect their decision. You know, when I've done this before or something similar, it's amazing to me that when you when you wait on people, uh, you sometimes when they say yes, it almost blows you away. First first few times that happens, it's like, oh, my, they they, they want to receive Jesus. No, yeah. it's like, yeah. OK, so so how would you tell them to receive Christ? How would you how would you lead them into the, to the kingdom? You know, the first step is a, a prayer of salvation. Okay. It's a it's a it's a beginning step. A lot of people say, "Oh, you know, it's um, it's not enough." And of course, it's not enough. It's the beginning of a lifestyle changed by Jesus and fellowship with others. But it's an important beginning. We have to start somewhere, right? Right. So, yeah. could you just just as an example? I mean, I mean, I know what I do, but yeah. but but lead a prayer of salvation. Just there may be someone listening to this right now. In fact, we hope you're listening to this sure. now, and this sure. is a decision time for you. Yes. Well, there's many ways of doing this. This is what I like to use. Uh, I'm going to repeat a prayer and ask you to repeat it after me, but from your heart. There's no magic in the words. The power is in the connection of the meaning of the words with your heart, the heart connection. So oftentimes I'll repeat, I'll speak a prayer out, and then I'll say to the person, would you like to pray this prayer from your heart? Because the first time they hear it, they don't know what they're saying, and they're just following you. But if you say a short prayer, and then you say, is this a prayer that you would like to pray? They've already heard it. They get to decide. And then you repeat it one sentence at a time and get them to speak it out with their own tongue, with their own lips, with their own mouth. For example, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I have sinned. I ask you to help me to live a life which is pleasing to you. I ask you for your forgiveness. Come into my spirit by your Holy Spirit and make my life new, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And there's many different variations on that, but we need to recognize who Jesus is. We need to recognize that we've sinned. We need to recognize that Jesus uh, paid the price for that sin if we choose to accept it. Yeah. So, you know, the, the other thing I always like to add to this yeah. is, is uh, even if someone doesn't speak in tongues right away, I, I love to ask them, you know, often people don't know what, the, what I just said when I say speak in tongues, but, but I like for them to be saved, receive Christ. Yeah. And then how would I, I always tell them, I want you to study about the Holy Spirit, step into more. Mm -hmm. Because there's, there's the Holy Spirit, there's water baptism, there's God's word. I mean, what would the next steps, would you tell them to go? What, what's, what steps to, to, to enter the Christian life in his fullness? Well, uh, become attached to an alive uh, fellowship church or house church. Yeah, what we encouraged them to do in Colombia was to join uh, a Bible study, a really simple Bible study where you meet in groups of at least three, and there's uh, six questions that work for every passage of the Bible um, that everyone can answer. They read the passage. They don't need to be theologians. They read the passage, and then there's six questions they can ask. For example, what did you like about the passage? 
what didn't you like or what didn't you understand about the passage what can you learn from the passage uh, what what can you teach someone else about the passage and those types of questions There's actually six questions i don't want to go into it in detail now and this gets the new believers into the word it gets them into a group they meet for example weekly they talk about what happened last week what can we pray for and they get into the word and the word is the basis the word of god is the basis for what we believe i would also encourage them to be baptized in water you can be baptized in water first and then in the holy spirit you can be baptized in the holy spirit first and then in water but baptism in water is obedience to the word of god just do it just get it done and also be baptized in the holy spirit go after that ask the lord i want to be filled with your spirit i believe in multiple baptisms but the first time is oftentimes a very powerful experience yes it is and it can be evidenced by speaking in, in other tongues or it can be evidenced by speaking in other things uh, by, by other evidences yeah, yeah. john 14 he's a comforter that comes upon you and he's and that's what he does he comforts yes. you he teaches yes. you he takes you into deeper relationships with with the lord yes. so uh, i'm so grateful for the holy spirit and for what for what he does and so as you as you you know i always get point people to the book of john that's my favorite one that's good so i just kind of aim at the gospel of john say if, if you don't know anything else get a bible open the book of john just read through the gospel yes yes and, um do you have a favorite gospel or do you well in um in colombia we were encouraged to use the gospel of mark because oh. it doesn't mess around it goes straight into stuff that people can understand you know oh, uh, yeah. so mark is also to be recommended but i think they're both good to be yeah. honest oh yeah well, yes. I, mark is 16 chapters it's real easy to read they're both awesome you, Oh, they're, they're both awesome. And, 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 and getting into God's word is simple, as simple as sometimes as, as while you're eating your lunch at work, you just flip open the passage and read it on your, on your phone or a Bible or whatever, wherever you can get it, you know, and just, and just read it during your lunchtime. And so, uh, uh, we're so grateful that, uh, Simon, that you were here today and we just bless you and we bless your ministry. And uh, we look forward to, to hearing more from you and hearing what God is doing. If, yes. you'd, if you'd love to support me, you can write me an email at simon underscore bait at hotmail.com. That's S-I-M-O-N underscore B-A-T-E at hotmail.com. Such an honor to be here with you, Rick. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Sons of Fire. I hope that you felt inspired and ready to encounter the heart of the Father. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. And as always, remember God is good. He is for you and he is in a good mood.